We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is Friday. That means it is Front Office Friday. Let's go. That's right. We are live here on the NBA Front Office YouTube channel, taking your questions and comments. We'll kick off the weekend in a fun way, breaking down some NBA basketball. Plenty to talk about. More drama in the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about trades, transactions, free agency, the draft, all kinds of stuff to dive into. Keith, how are you doing on this fine Friday? I could not be better, man. I did the last uh, school pickup of the mm-hmm. year. School is out for the summer, as Alice Cooper lets us know. Uh, we, we are uh, you know done for for the year, so we're, we're we're good. Celtics are still alive, you know. Somehow, you know, they're they're still kicking, and uh, it's Friday. It's you hang out with my buddy, and you know, talk ball for <laughs> for the next hour or so. So I'm I'm pumped. I predict. I think mine was Celtics and five to take this series. <laughs> It wouldn't shock me if we get the reverse sweep here. Wouldn't shock me at all at this point. I think it may be uh, finito. Yeah, I I think the pressure's all on Miami now, right? They, yep. they, they it's, it's shifted. That's just how it goes in these situations. I they I still they should probably still win, right? Um, you know they they they've, they're at home, they're up. But taking aside how we got here, the Celtics have been here. Each of the last two seasons, they were down 3-2 to Milwaukee, going on the road, one, Mm -hmm. and then one in game seven at home. Uh, Just last round, down 3-2 to Philadelphia, one in game six on the road, one game seven at home. So they're, you know, in some sense, they've got them right where they want them uh, for the Celtics. Even if nobody ever plans to go down 3-0 in a series. They are now the favorite to win game six. The Celtics are in in Miami. And some of that may be, you know, the injury to Gabe Vincent. What does that yep. look like? He's been critical for the Miami Heat. Big time. Um, so we'll see what that what happens there with him. But um, but yeah, I do wonder if that's if that's a wrap on the I think essentially it comes down to game six. Um, game six decides the series. Game seven is going to Boston no matter what happens in game six. So game six decides the series. Miami has one shot left to win this, otherwise, it is done. The last two games, the Heat have looked a little worn out. It looks like yeah. this run is starting to catch up with them. Jimmy Butler hasn't had the same kind of lift. There was a play last night uh, towards the end of the first quarter where he got Rob Williams, and he has like cooked Williams on switches over and over and over again. And he settled, you know, he got Williams rocked back a little bit and then took a three 
but had no lift. And Williams just swatted it right back in his face uh, and then nearly recovered the loose ball, but it, you know, it ended up going off him and out of bounds. But though those kind of plays, Kyle Lowry doesn't, you know, did not look good. Kevin Love looks like he's just, you know, completely, you know, got nothing left. So yeah. And, you know, Gabe Vincent's got to play. Caleb Martin tweaked his knee. Bam mm-hmm. Adebayo was holding his shoulder at the end of the game. Um, there was just a lot of stuff kind of going wrong for Miami all at once. Plus, Waters started to find its level with the shooting variants and all that stuff. So I, I, I think we're, we're you know, th- this is a series, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Celtics come out and commit 20 turnovers and play like morons and lose in game six. <laughs> that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But, you know, I, I think we're, we're in a great place, you know, uh, where, where this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're shooting lights out, red hot right now, the, the yeah. Celtics are. And we'll see if that, that continues. And the Heat actually didn't shoot poorly in last night's mm-hmm. game, but uh, was not enough, particularly just the volume of threes is so different. That's making a big a big difference there, and then the the Celtics getting to the line more just by by being a bit more physical in the paint. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing all a of lot of turnovers too. Yes. sixteen turnovers, thirteen That's of them were steals, so thirteen live ball turnovers. That's yeah, that'll kill you. Yeah, that, that kills you. And then they were all over the offensive glass in the early part of the game too. And there was a point where I think they had ten more shots uh, taken than than the Heat did. That that's just you know that that's not that becomes oh you have to shoot like sixty percent to make up for that kind of margin. And they were you know not only was Boston getting the extra shots on second chances off offensive rebounds, but they were scoring um, yeah. repeatedly um, off of those as well. And that was and that's something that can be demoralizing for a team defensively. Um, and that's it, particularly like, it's one thing if there's a big free throw discrepancy in one way and a shoot and a shot attempt discrepancy in the other way, because every unless you get an and one, yeah. every time you get to the free throw line, that's a shot attempt that you don't get. Um, in, just in terms of the way that the stats are kept, it's still a possession, but you don't we don't look at it that way. So, but you had Boston shooting more shots and getting more free throw attempts. Then Miami, and that just goes to underscore the the turnover problem for the Heat because they kept turning the ball over, and then that doesn't result in either free throws or a shot attempt. Um, it this is not NBA, but the Arizona Cardinals just released DeAndre Hopkins. Really? Yeah. All right. Okay. Holy moly! That's crazy. Huh? Whoa! All right. I Somebody, guess I don't know. Is that a big <laughs> deal? Still. That is- that is a big is he deal. He's still good. He's still very, very good. He's still okay. very good. And he's going to get picked up by somebody and be a, a, a big factor for, for some team out there. Wow. Um, my stock in Hollywood Brown just went up though. So I guess I'll take that. I'll take that. But I holy assume moly. these are all real people that you're you're mentioning because I don't yes. know any of these guys anymore. I I know you don't know <laughs> football anymore. But but hey, uh, I'm I will make up some names and everything just to kind of counteract any time that you go. make up the name of a G League player that <laughs> except that I've never that done that to you. Yeah, <laughs> you could, yeah, you could I'm going to um, at some point. This question says, can Austin Reeves accept a Lakers max before other may others make offers? So could the most the Lakers can offer, I believe it's what four years, 53 ish million, right in that range. Yeah. It's, um, it's just shy of 60, I think. Yeah. yeah. Could, could he accept that? Sure. Yeah. If the yeah. Lakers said, here's a contract offer, he could say deal. And that that's that I don't, I would advise him to do that. I would advise him to listen to all the different options and things like that. But it's, it's, yeah, it's within the realm of possibility. He could if he decided to. 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to. And I think the Lakers are now understanding of that. I think I think both sides get that the best thing for Austin Reeves is to go sign an, an offer sheet with somebody that's in, you know, for reasonable money for, for the Lakers. And then the Lakers match it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know the, the best place to go. There's been a lot of reporting that the max offer sheet anybody can give them is like 97 million. It, it believe, you know, and I've worked out the math a couple of times and checked this. I think it's just over a hundred million, okay. but that obviously comes with the way that would be structured for the Lakers would be like 12 million, 12 and a half million. Then it would jump up to 30 uh, plus million each of the last two years. Um, you know, basically it's like 25 million over the first two years and then 75 over the last two, just cause that's the poison pill uh, match structure on that. But that would be presumably at this point, at least when LeBron and AD's contracts run out and they're, you know, either off the books or, you know, into whatever their next deals are. So, you know, that's, that's just, you know, life for the Lakers, right there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if, if they want to keep him, I think they're going to have to match an offer sheet. Cause I don't think they're getting him for that, you know, 58 million or whatever it is anymore. I think that ship has sailed. What's interesting is uh, Dave McMenamin had this earlier today. He was talking about D'Angelo Russell saying, I don't know where the market is like mm-hmm. looking at the teams that have cap space. Are there any teams that you could imagine as a, now Austin Reeves is a different story. He's a little bit younger and he's a very easy fit. A lot of places. Yeah. Is there a market out there for D'Angelo Russell that you can think of a cap space team that would be like, yeah, we'll go, we'll give him a big offer. Yeah. I mean, let's go through them, right? It would, yeah. It's Friday. We got nothing else to do. Well, that's how, how we're going to spend some time. So the Detroit Pistons, maybe probably right. not, but maybe, Right. Um, I could maybe see that Houston. No, it, that's Harden or not. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if, if it's Harden, that's he's not a fit with Harden. If it's not Harden, then you don't need him because you're going to presumably move forward with Green and Porter at the guard spots. Indiana. No, you've already got Hal Burton and a ton of other guards. Oklahoma City. No, they've got, you know, guards coming out their ears. Right. Good ones. Better ones than Russell. Mm-hmm. Orlando. Probably not. Right. I think they would just as soon move forward with Fultz and Anthony mm-hmm, and Suggs exactly. and Gary Harris. Uh, Sacramento, or I'm sorry, San Antonio. Yeah, probably not. I mean, there's maybe with the man, but but yeah, I, I tend to think they'd go a different direction. Yeah. Um, there. And then that kind of leaves Utah, that one, maybe. Right. I like you could kind of maybe see that they, they don't have a lot at that position. Um, you know, that that. Could maybe be the way that goes. This is one where I think for Russell, it's probably you know I, th- I think it was reported he wanted four years, a hundred million when um, he was with Minnesota. Yeah. With um, right. probably slightly less than that. You know, maybe yeah. ninety. You know, million ish is probably where he comes in on. And and I think you know, barring the Lakers going out and doing something crazy that we don't expect, like Ky- Kyrie or Fred Van Vliet or something, mm-hmm. then you know, maybe you just go into a position where it's, you know, all right, let's re-sign them, keep it reasonable, you know, 20 to 25 million and go from there. Cause that's you know, probably your best, best case scenario if you're D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. McMenamin threw out the range of like 18 to 23 million, which yeah. sounds well, that's about, that's probably right in there. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see, we'll see what yeah. ultimately happens with it. But, but I, you're right. I don't think that there's going to be like with Austin, I think somebody is going to give him that offer and see if the Lakers blink. And if not, and if not even thinking they they blink, they'll just just to kind of mess with the Lakers. They'll throw an offer at him. But D'Lo, I don't know that that market is really there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that negotiation ultimately plays out. Yeah, I think too. 
you know, a lot of people I've seen saying since the season ended, like, who cares? He can't play in playoff games. You can't play. You can't have him. Well, the challenge is there's 82 games before you even get there. Right. Right. And, and if you're the Lakers, we know your your base of your roster is going to be around two, you know, not that AD's old, but two older and injury prone players, right? And AD and LeBron. So you've got to have, you've got to have other guys that can just, you know, D'Angelo Russell can get you 25 in a regular season game without a whole lot of issue, right? Against most yep. teams, you know, he's pretty good. You know, he's probably going to average, you know, if, if they, let's say they were just to run it mostly back, right. With room around the edges, he's probably what somewhere between 15 and 20 points per game. Yep. And, you know, and that's fine. And then on the nights when LeBron and AD aren't out there, you give him the ball, let him be a little bit more of a focal point of the offense and, and see, see what you get out of it. So I'm not, I'm not going to go, you know, into that place where, you know, this guy's useless because he can't play in a playoff game. Yeah. Maybe you got to be covered, right. That you're only going to get 10 or 15 minutes out of him a night, a night out of him in the playoffs. But you know, that's, there's still 82 games to get there first. Yeah. I don't think they're in the Western conference finals without him. Um, So that's, that's, and that's, we tend to get trapped in the, what we, you know, the recency bias. What did we just see? And so people are incredibly negative on D'Angelo Russell. Look, he was awful in the Western conference. There's no getting around it. He was awful, but he also yeah. was really good getting them there. I mean, shot better than 40% from three for the Lakers. So mm-hmm. um, he did some good things. Uh, I'm not as down on him as, as most others are, but here's, no, I agree. Th- this is a, a league wide question here that, that came up today. Uh, Anna Kent Mohan said, what do you think about the NBA's new challenge rule? Why is it limited to only one successful ch- uh, change? So the discussion taking place right now is giving teams a second challenge if they get the first one correct. So if you use a challenge and you're right, then you don't necessarily lose. You get another opportunity to challenge. And I think this is an interesting like balance here, right? Because the NBA, they don't want to slow down the game any more than it's already slowed down. I mean, my God, playoff games last forever when they go to these TV timeouts mm-hmm. and the commercials run for five minutes or whatever it is. Um, they don't want to do, slow it down anymore. But at the same time, we also see a ton of calls just blown in the NBA. Yeah. And so you have to have, and I'm not even saying that's necessarily the official's fault. I mean, there's plenty of criticism you can throw at officials, but the NBA is an insanely fast game with some of the best athletes in the world and the limitations of the human eye and just human judgment are going to, it means there's going to be mistakes. There's just, there's going to be, there's no getting around it. Even if you have the absolute best officials in the entire world, they are going to make mistakes. So I think having the challenge is necessary, but you also have to strike that balance between the amount of time it takes to, number one, issue the challenge. How long does it take to review? How many challenges do you get stopping the game? And so finding that right balance is what's critical for the NBA. I do agree that ultimately there should be an extra challenge given if you get the first one right. But I'd like to see the length of time of the challenges cut down. Like put a time limit on how long the refs can actually sit there and look at it. And then if they don't, if they can't figure it out, then you move on and you stick with the call. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they've made major strides in this. They they have that now fourth official that reviews things like was the foot on the line? Did it come before mm-hmm. or after the shot clock? And they'll correct those as quick as they can in you know live game action. Um, so those are those are good. I would like to see this turn into hey, there's a fourth guy who is a referee, right? And they rotate guys through the the um in Secaucus now anyway, where they review all the stuff. Um, you know, whoever's being rotated through there on that night, you know, whether it's regular season or playoffs, they make the call, 
right? They're the ones who review yeah. it. Cause I think there's a sense too. There's always been, if I'm the one making the call on the floor. Like it's hard to overrule myself. It's Correct. easy when it's something like, I thought it went off this guy, went off the other guy. We can all see it now when we slow it down and we, we all move on. Right. But it's when it's like, yeah, that, that maybe it was a block. Maybe it was a charge, you know, those kind of things. That's where it gets kind of messy in those spots. So, so I think that's where, you know, I don't want this to turn into, you know, every time you challenge, if you get it right, you get it back. Cause we don't need that. Right. That's, that's too much. I think they've done a good job keeping these games moving. They've changed the end of games. Uh, you know, where each side you know, can only use two timeouts under three minutes to play and all that sort of stuff. Like mm-hmm. let, let's just keep, keep, keep things going. But I do think this would be a good change to give them a second challenge if they get the first one. Correct. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a game where, the the uh, team has to use a challenge on something that they probably shouldn't have to. Like it was a call that just was clearly wrong, and the official takes ten seconds to run over and go, "Oh yeah, the dude was yeah. standing out of bounds or something," you know, and they just missed it. And then you're like, "Okay, well, cool, we got the ball back, but man, it it, it sure hurts to have to use a challenge on something like yeah. that." Uh, and you really are wishing that you had another one, and it can it can be a factor in deciding games down the stretch. So, uh, yeah. I think it would be a good change as well. Uh, Michael says, what is Julius Randle's trade value? I can see him with a bunch of picks for a superstar, but that deal might be a while. And I think we need more shooting now. So obviously a Knicks question here, Keith, I'm going to pull up, uh, Randall's contracts. I don't recall off the top of my head, how many years he has left on it. Um, this is, so Julius Randle, yes. Three years after this one, he has a player option for 2025, for 29.4 million. So the contract looks like this 25.6 next. It actually season. bumped up. So oh, um, did it? Because he because he hit some incentives this year. So it's 28. Oh, he did. That's right. 30.3 and 32.4. So it has um, bumped up here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he, he made all star, made all NBA. But still, that now. I mean, not not you know enough to matter. Sure. You know, it's basically 28 to 32 million. And and I like over on Spot Track, you can see the percentage of the cap. Mm-hmm. That it that it takes up because I think that's going to be really important for our frame of reference when we're talking about this, especially with as the cap goes up, right? Yeah. Because there's always that that sticker shock. But when we look at the percentage of the cap, you know, he's sitting right around twenty one percent, twenty percent of of the cap. So, do you think on that contract with the player option of the final year, does he have how much positive value do you think he has, or does he have positive value? It's really hard because. On the one hand, I mean, I just went through this with D'Angelo Russell, right? Where it's like sure. these guys have value because the regular season does so matter. You get to play 82 games. But I think a guy like Randall, um, it's kind of the same boat, right? I mean, this was an all NBA guy, and that wasn't a ridiculous all NBA selection either. That's not no. one where it's like oh my 25, God, 10, and four this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely deserving. But we also have now a history in the playoffs. He, kind of flames out, right? Guys can game plan for him and make it really tough on him to, to score. And I think, think what you ideally want is if Julius Randle is your like third best player, you're probably pretty good. Right. Yeah. And and the Knicks are maybe trending in that direction. Right. I think Jalen Brunson's their best guy now. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of the engine that makes them go. Randall for now is still their second guy. I, I'm not going to quit on RJ yet. Maybe he gets there. I don't know. Um, but I think the, probably the second best guy is just not on the roster yet. Right. How do you go get him? And then that becomes is Randall, the one you use to go get him with that. And that's, you know, a very long way of saying, I, I think he's got decent 
value. I, I don't know that it's super positive. I don't know that mm-hmm. you know anybody's you know blowing the Knicks away with an offer to get him, but I also don't think he's bad enough where if you put him in, into a trade, you're having to pay a team to take him on. I right. don't think we're in that bad spot either. Yep. So it's probably you know slightly above neutral, which is seems probably kind of fair for where he's at. So he's, I mean, again, 25, 10, and four, shot 34% from three, which is, is a big uptick for him this season. Uh, shot 30% the season before. So when I look at this, though, I think just conceptually, right? If a team is trading, if the goal for the Knicks is to get a star, typically teams that are trading stars are looking for future assets, right? They're looking for draft picks. They're looking for young players. And Julius Randle's not old, but he's 28. He's in his prime. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that might be an impediment. It, it, because essentially, if you're going to make Randle the centerpiece of a trade, unless you're going get to in, get into, maybe, maybe you just get into a three-team deal or something like that. But if you're a team that's looking to trade away a star, just nameless player X, I don't know if Julius Randle is the piece that you want back. Again, typically teams that are trading these stars are looking to rebuild things for the future. So that could be a hurdle. But again, you could solve that potentially by getting a third team involved in something like this. But that's why I wonder if if Randle is the piece, though, that even winds up getting moved if it's if it's a star level trade. Yeah, that's a hard thing, right? It need to be almost like a change of scenery type trade where it's, mm-hmm. hey, you need a big, we need a wing, and let's, you know, well, let's, you know, partner up here and, you know, make it happen and rebalance things a little bit, you know, that, that way. So, yeah, I could see it in that sense, but I, I'm with you on that. That does make it a little more tough. Just as an aside, to close the book a little bit here, Marcus Warren and Julius Randle both just completed their 10th season in the league. Oh, my God. Like, right? Crazy. How is that possible? Yeah, I don't even know. It's not. Oh right. man, yeah. <laughs> I, rem- I I I remember that. God, I sound old. I remember that draft like it was yesterday, Keith. Yep. <laughs> that was. All right. Yeah, insane. I'm sorry. Next year, this coming year, will be their tenth. Sorry, still. but still, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy, right? That yeah. is crazy. I don't even. Yeah, that it's like there's days when I still remember the whole Celtics are trading KG and Pierce and you know. Uh, everybody to you know kind of start the rebuild under it and it feels like that was yesterday and that was you know a decade ago keith i can remember the day the lakers and celtics made that trade way back in the early 2000s with uh was that with chris mim and uh yeah. what was it marcus banks was gonna be in the yeah. deal and then he wasn't and yeah all that stuff <laughs> gary mim. payton yeah oh yeah. boy and those were the days. Those were the days. Roberto said, if Bob Myers leaves the Warriors, where do you see him going? Uh, and then is there a world in which he winds up at the Lakers somehow? So I'll just answer the second part. Uh, no, I, I don't see that happening. The Lakers gave Rob Plink an extension. They were heavily criticized for doing so, but they did. I don't see them moving on from him right now, especially when the team just went from the seventh seed to the Western Conference Finals. I don't see that, that happening. But where could he go if he leaves? I mean, there have been a lot of rumors about uh, a few different teams essentially chasing after him. What, what do you, where do you think he lands ultimately and in what role? Yeah, I think there's a chance he takes a year off, right? We yeah. just saw the one uh, front office role get filled that was in Washington. They, they hired Michael Winger and people instantly went to, um, they, they went into like, oh, well, Myers could, could go to the Clippers, right? That, that could be where he could, could land. But, Lawrence Frank runs the front office there. And I don't think they're, you know, down on Lawrence Frank. I and I don't think Myers is going to go in and work underneath, you know, anybody but the owner. So I think it it's probably takes a year off and then kind of sees where things things are. But my guess is 
just like with the Warriors players, this everybody comes to their to their senses here, and he just sticks in in Golden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I don't know what the negotiations look like there in terms of the, that contract situation, everything with Bob Myers, but. Again, uh, I would not be shocked if he just winds up staying. And if he does go somewhere, he could very well just take a year off and kind of wait and see what happens and um, and then pick a spot from there. Because I don't know if there's an obvious mm-hmm. place for him to land right now. Yep. Uh, Trevor, our guy, Tony PR in the chat, who's here, I think he's here almost every week, says mm-hmm. his Super Chat got lost, but he got charged. I don't know if you have it. Or no. Okay. I don't. If not, I'll, I'll, Tony, I'll ask, just ask your question. Don't pay again. Just ask your question. We'll pull yeah. It. Just ask ask the question. We'll yeah, we'll get to it. Just ask it in the chat. And we'll we'll pull it. Yep. Um. Are the Lakers Here, allowed? Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I was just Alex G. Are the Lakers allowed to demote Palenka to assistant GM? Does his contract include no demotions? We don't know what his contract yeah. does and doesn't include. In general, that's not something that happens. Um. Right. Every once in a while, what you'll see is like this is kind of how it went down with Travis Schlank where it was like, Oh, you're going to become a special advisor. And everybody knows special advisor means, all right, we're going to pay you, but please go away. You're not going to be involved. So I think that's more likely the way it would go uh, with, with, with Rob Palenka, if you know, if anything, but the Lakers aren't there, right. They're there. I think they're very happy with the job. You know, he's done, he won a title and you know, he remade this roster on the fly into a team that, you know, I know it ended, you know, sourly but he made it all the way to the west finals with, with that team so you know I, I don't think there's any real rush for them to move on yeah yeah absolutely uh mission 86 said if the nba if nba <laughs> teams jettisoned every player who had a bad playoff series they would quickly run out of players that's how that that's true. how i achieve my dream of playing in the nba still in my mid-40s is they get rid of everybody and they're literally like all right we need you and i'll be ready to go Oh man! We'll have to That's switch to a... half court because I'm not running up and down full court. For... <laughs> we'll do yeah. the half court. We'll, we'll roll the other basket all the way to yeah. half court and <laughs> That's it. play a play a small sided game. Yeah, we can definitely we can do that. We can do that, or just just play. You know, you got to take it out past the three point line, and then next thing you know, we're getting into like big three territory and all that kind of yeah, stuff. But but uh, in any event, yeah. Look, there's lots of there. Players have bad playoff series. It happens. Guys go through slumps. Yeah. It happens. I know the knee jerk when something hurts you, the knee jerk reaction is to lash out, right? And so <laughs> sure. the, that guy hurt me. Get him off my team. Get this guy yeah. gone, right? And that's the way way it goes. But yes, if we did that every single time somebody had a bad playoff series, I mean, my God, Kobe would have been banished after shooting air balls against Utah way, way, oh way gosh. back in the day, right? Yeah, imagine, right? Like if 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 they had just given up on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, just oh, how man. differently the trajectory would be, you know, at that that point for you know him and like the, the Lakers and everything else. I also think too, it only becomes an issue when it becomes multiple years in a row, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, or not in a row, but just at least multiple times. Like going back to the Jewish Randall conversation, this is twice now he's not been great in the playoffs. So you start to wonder, Garrett, is this just a thing, or you know, can, can we kind of come back? from right. this and figure it out with the right kind of guys. I tend to think it's more of that second one. I think if he's in a better role where he's not so relied upon, he'll look better in the playoffs. But when it's, you know, yeah. Hey, you've got to create everything that, um, you know, Jalen Brunson doesn't, you know, well, we'll go to a mess. All right. Wyatt said, Hey Keith, can you go through the different permutations of Jalen Brown and the Celtics leading up to the next season deadline? 300 million seems reckless. Yeah, so essentially with, with this, Jalen Brown qualified for the so-called Supermax, which is the 35% of the cap uh, extension. So Brown is under contract for next season to, to the Celtics. He's hit all of his incentives. So his number for the Celtics for next year is now, let me make sure I get it right, $31.8 million. So he is you know, locked in under contract to, to Boston uh, for next season. So what happens is they can offer him a five-year deal worth it's it, it's a it's a little over 290 million. It'll be somewhere between 290, 295, depends on where the cap ultimately settles. But they can give him that. Um, then he becomes uh, not eligible to be traded for a year. So Celtics can offer him that on uh, July 1st. They they can officially say, here you go, here's your supermax extension. Well, let's go. Um, the reality, so there's then it kind of becomes in Jalen Brown's court, right? Where Jalen Brown says, yes, I sign and we go. Mm-hmm. And like, I will always say you're a two in things aren't going the way I want them to. You ask for a trade, it's just how the league works. Now, the other option is Brown says, no, I'm good. Now, the only reason for him to say, no, I'm good is because he doesn't really want to be with the Celtics anymore because there's not, he's not in a position where it's like, well, we put pressure on them to make moves and put a good team around me. He's already right. in that spot. Um, and he cannot make any more money because when that extension kicks in with the 24, 25 season, it would be for 35% of the cap. So if he says, no, that's when then the Celtics need to say, all right, we need to explore trades, right? Cause he's probably leaving in the off season and we don't want to lose them for nothing. Now, the other option is Boston doesn't have to offer him the full amount of money. If they offer it as a designated player deal, they can offer him anywhere between 30 and 35%. Um, I mean, they could offer him less. They're not going to. Sure. Um, but you could say, you know, hey, 35 is just a little rich for us. What about 32? This is what the Utah Jazz did with Rudy Gobert back in the day. Now, that was also in part because the Jazz didn't want to lock themselves in because under those old rules, 
you could only have two super max players. So they didn't want to get into too big of a mess with that. So I think, you know, we're in a different world now. They eliminated that. You can have as many super max guys as you can get to um, on your roster at once, but that's kind of where, where this is with Jalen Brown. And, you know, so I think if, uh, if he turns it, if he gets offered it and turns it down on July 1st, I don't even think we get to the deadline. I think, you know, all of a sudden it becomes he's probably the single biggest name on the trade market uh, at the start of this this summer. Right? Second team All NBA player, just heading into his prime years. Like that, those guys don't come available all that often. Yeah, that would be that would be a very clear indication that he's not sticking around. And again, that's not what I expect to happen though. Today's NBA is all about get the money now, figure out the destination later, um, which is kind of which is where we were like ten years ago in the league, and now we've kind of come back to this point. So it would surprise me, and again, Jalen Brown is kind of his own dude, so it's mm-hmm. not like it would be a total shock. But sure. still, nonetheless, just based on the current trends in the NBA, I would be surprised if he didn't take the deal, um, and then if he really, really wanted out a, a year from now, whatever, however long, uh, he could start at, you know asking about a trade and, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But I would, so that I think is the most likely path. But it is Jalen Brown, so who knows? He he may ultimately yeah. say if he says, "Hey, no, I'm not signing this." That's it. Then, then you got to yep. put him on the market. Yep, and he knows without, that without a doubt. Yeah, he knows that he gets it. I mean, he's a smart guy. He also gets the business of all of it. So, yep. Okay, so Tony PR said uh, math to get Kyrie. I'm assuming we mean for the the Lakers here. I have him uh, that he could sign as a free agent for four years, two hundred, renouncing everyone except Vando and Max. So Vanderbilt is just under five million. Max Christie just under two million for next season, uh, so you essentially are wiping the deck clean for the Lakers, with the exception of LeBron, AD, Vanderbilt, and Max. I don't know if that gets you to two hundred, but then after it signing Kyrie, uh, match Austin Reeves and Rui. Well, you wouldn't be able to do that because Rui's cap hold is like eighteen million and change, yep. so you would have to get rid of his cap hold just to give Kyrie that kind of an offer in free agency. Austin Reeves has a low cap hold at about two million. So you could keep that cap hold on your books, but again, if you've got Austin's two million, Max's two million, Vanderbilt is is almost five million. So there, then you've got almost nine million sitting on your books in addition to LeBron and AD, which makes it that much more difficult to give Kyrie um, the amount that you're talking about. So he said, "Is that even possible?" I, without having the numbers in front of me, just in my head, my answer is no. Keith, I, I know you have the numbers in front of you. Yeah, it's not in that scenario. They'd be at ninety six point one million, so that seems like initially right that's like oh well that's still 38 million in cap space roughly but then you get to add in the roster charges mm-hmm. which if anybody doesn't know what a roster charge is is you have to have at least 12 some things on the roster so whether it's guaranteed salary non-guaranteed salary or cap holds um for draft picks or players uh, you have to that number has to be at 12 if it's not you get a roster charge for everyone that you're under and that that's a minimum roster charge so th- those hit you at you know, roughly a million a piece um, in those situations. So what happens in that spot is um, you, you get hit with those, those roster charges and now you're, you're, you're down to, you know, 20 some odd million in mm-hmm. space and that, that point. And that's just not going to be enough to, to, to get Kyrie. It's, it's the Kyrie stuff. 
it almost has to be a sign and trade barring Kyrie signing for some insane amount less than yeah. what he can. His first year salary, 46.9 million. Let's just say the Lakers could get to that number. It'd be 46.9 million. And they would, they, that, that would works out to a little over 201 million uh, for the, the total number uh, that he could get. So you're right in range on that one. It's just, it's, it's just really hard to see him taking that much less. I, you know, less, sure, I could see it if yeah. he really wants to be there. But, you know, that much less? I, I don't think so. I've been trying to tell everybody because the, these rumors have not, uh, and they're not going away until Kyrie puts pen to paper in Dallas or wherever. Uh, but we're going to be talking about these rumors all off season. But I've been telling yeah. everybody who will listen that, look, while there are some paths to get there, if it's very, very difficult to make something mm-hmm. happen. And even then, even if you can just get him on the roster, building out any kind of a competent team around whatever is left on, on your roster is going to be extremely difficult because you're essentially going to be limited to veteran minimums uh, right. the rest of the way, with the exception of maybe you can keep Austin's cap hold on the books or something like that. But um, getting to Kyrie on the Lakers is extreme. Unless unless Kyrie does something like, hey, say, hey, I'll play for the mid-level, right? Like something <laughs> yeah. totally unexpected, that's, right? Yeah. That's And that's not not happening. But I always just leave that because you know it's going to happen. Like he does something crazy, says, "Okay, I'll play for twenty million or something," and then everybody runs back and says, "See, you guys said it would never happen." Look, aside from something unexpected taking place in terms of him taking way less, it's extremely, extremely difficult to get Kyrie onto the Lakers. And I'll say this too: in a sign and trade scenario, even in that situation, unless he's taken way less. They run into hard cap issues. Yep. If you do that, Very if quickly. you sign and trade for a player, you become hard cap. If you are the acquiring side, someone asked about Fred Van Vliet and would that hard cap the Raptors? It doesn't. You, you're not hard capped when you trade a player away in a sign and trade. It's only acquiring the guy. And that would become a tricky thing then to work around, right? I mean, I, I know you and I did did multiple shows where we went through, right? Why can the Lakers add a player on the bio market or just sign a mm-hmm. free agent from the G league? And it was, you know, I sat here one day and figured it out, you know, on the show, um, you know, all right, well, it's January. It was like, whatever it was like, like March 2nd, they can add the second guy and these kind of things. Cause when you're that's under right. that hard cap, it, it's, that's it. You can't go over it. There's no, no exceptions to that. Nothing. So that's, that starts to get really tricky too. It's, it's, this is where I get super annoyed and not with anybody here asking, but with like our peers, they, they don't probably consider us to be their peers, but I consider them to be our peers because I'm trying to feel, feel good about the work we do. But when people go on TV or on the radio and they're prominent voices, and they're like, yeah, you know, the Lakers can get Kyrie Irving. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, anybody can get anybody when they're a free agent in theory, but it's just, you know, now, now we start living in fantasy land a little bit, right? Where it's like, you know, all right, sure. But, you know, the, these are not, you know, realistic, you know, things to live in. And I tend to be probably too hyper realistic with this stuff. I'll discount things that I don't mm-hmm. think are going to happen. And every year I'm surprised with like, wow, that guy took less or this team traded player X and those kind of things happen. But that's what makes it fun. Right. Sure. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. We try to give everybody just a realistic. What I, what I don't want is July 8th. The Lakers don't. Kyrie is re-signed in Dallas, and a bunch of Lakers fans are running around going, "Going, why didn't the Lakers get Kyrie? He, they could have just signed him. They should have signed him, you know, and all that." I, I just want people to be aware yeah. of how perilous that that journey is to actually get yeah. him onto the Lakers. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's not 
This is not Premier League soccer or Major League Baseball where the richest clubs can just sign whoever they want, right? It just doesn't work that way. You, they're, they're very, you know, strict and defined rules that you work under when you get to these points. And then that's without even adding in where we're going a year from from now with mm-hmm. even more, you know, penalties for being those super expensive teams. And, you know, and this is going to be where I'll end up beating a dead horse on this, but we've seen the Lakers with, you know, older you know, somewhat injury prone guard around LeBron and AD and a whole bunch of minimum signings. And it wasn't very good for two straight years. Like, I, I don't know why you know, they want to rush right back into that. And yes, mm-hmm. Kyrie is a much better player than Russell Westbrook at this point in his career. But the reality is I don't know that he's any more reliable as far as availability goes. Probably, probably isn't. Right? Probably far. Oh, less. no. So I, I thought Russell Westbrook, just, the, the, Russell Westbrook yeah. was very available. He was, yeah, was very rarely yeah. injured. And that was, so, that was a great quality that he had, but Kyrie is yeah. definitely not that. Yeah, that's it. So I think, you know, I, I would, I would really, really worry about, you know, if that's the direction they went with, you know, those three and Austin Reeves and then fill it up with minimums. Like, yeah, boy, yeah. that, that gets scary to me. It's in their DNA to chase stars. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if, if they can resist. If they can resist the temptation, yeah. like sitting right there. Especially if he it? says that's where he wants to be. Then, yeah. yeah. It's like the old, old Simpsons episode where, where Lisa was doing an experiment on Bart with a cupcake that was electrocuted. Yes. And he just kept reaching for it and reaching <laughs> for it and reaching for it and, and just never learning that, that it was shocking him. Yep. Uh, Jamie said, what is your idea of rewarding upsets in the playoffs? Winner of a series takes the better seeding. Example: Miami using Milwaukee's one seed. So, oh, if God, you if you, this. what's that? <laughs> I hate this. Like, no. Yeah, because like, it takes one you series to doesn't make, mean that you're like that's why, why why would you punish the other good teams that them won their series just because you pulled off an upset? Nah. I mean, it would make things interesting in that sense but it would it would create more of a possibility for future upsets so like say in this example that you are if you're the eight seed and you beat the one seed and suddenly you get to go into your second round matchup with home court advantage like that create that increases the the probability of the lower seeded team going you know getting another upset and continuing to go but is that doesn't that just devalue the regular season that much more yeah is that really what we want yeah, no, and I like I like with where the league is headed now with some of this parody stuff, and we'll see if this you know comes to fruition over the next several years. Like three six isn't really that big of an upset anymore, right? So if you're the six seed and you win, now you get you know home court potentially moving forward. If there's another upset, and then like, yeah, I don't I don't like that idea at all. Like it, you know, I I will say I, I don't hate the idea of reseeding. Like the the NFL does, like now that would mean you have to wait and then line up every series to start mm-hmm. at the same time, and that's been the problem. Is right, the NBA likes to get ahead of it just so they're kind of continuously feeding us games in those early rounds. But but we'll see. Uh, causing lyrics said Nas Reed, Brooke Lopez, assuming that's Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Jay Crowder. Thoughts? <laughs> Good players. I mean, yeah, free agent, list of well, free agents. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, ca- causing lyric, if you're still here, give us a little more detail if you're just looking for, for players. The you know. the, su- the super chats, like, it, it, sometimes they, they're limited in terms of, of like, the, the higher level of the super, the more you get to write. Got it. So people, okay. so he, maybe they were just kind of, you know, shortened here because of, of the super chat. But, but what, like, 
what do you think is the market value? Let's just do that. What's the market value of these guys? What does Nas Reed get? I, I would assume Brooke Lopez sure. is going to get significantly more than Nas Reed, but nonetheless, what are, we, what are we thinking is the going rate for these guys? Yeah, I think Brooke Lopez, he's limited because of over 38 rule, but I you know, I would give him three years, 60 million without even blinking an eye. Yeah, he got he made 13 this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, if you so could do a raise. And if you could start him high, right, and have the contract descend year to year, that'd be even better, right? Um, for him. Mm-hmm. Porzingis, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Yes. He had a really, really good year and he was mostly healthy. Um, he he was very, very good um this season. So, you know, he's probably gonna get another probably near max deal. Um, you know, he might be one where instead of getting the full max, maybe he he gets a fifth year if he'll come down a little bit um, off of the max kind of, kind of deal. And that might be where that goes. I expect, you know, we're, we said this the other day, we're going to find out how does Michael Winger feel about this guy? You know, does he does he like him or not? And uh, same with Kyle Kuzma, because um, I thought it was very interesting just as an aside on the Wizards. That it's come out now that Ted Leonsis is like, look, if you want to rebuild, you've got full control. Go. Mm. Like, that becomes really, really interesting. Uh, for the Lakers to go after, they, they can't get Porzingis. He's just no, he's really too expensive. And I think the same will probably be true of Brooke Lopez yeah, as well. Agreed. Jay Crowder, um, yeah, sure. You know, if yeah. they've got the tax taxpayer or the non-taxpayer mid-level, Jay Crowder's probably in that range ish, Nas Reed, yeah, that one's a little tougher. I think he's, you know, if you had the full contact there, maybe um, you, you could get him for that. But, but I, I don't know. But yeah, Jay Crowder, I mean, you can fill it out. I, I don't hate the Jay Crowder idea for them just to give him a little more size in the wing, but he did not look good uh, with Milwaukee. So uh, I'm not sure. I think, you know, you, Nas Reed, that's kind of thinking the right direction. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's to kind of get another big in there for sure. Maybe could play with AD a little bit too if you know AD slid over to the four. Um, so I think those are the right kind of thoughts on that. I think you know if I'm the Lakers, I gotta come away with a four and a four-five combo guy. Um, guy yep. I really like for the Lakers if they can get him is Trey Lyles. I thought he had I like that ending season for the for the kings and i think he'd be very affordable and i think he could really fill a fill a nice role playing you know as a four or five for that team i like that that's a good call on uh on lyles that would be a really good fit uh this one said kriya said if i see any more people saying get rid of delo and get Kyrie van vliet or trey i'm going to lose my marbles prepare for those marbles to get lost it is the nba <laughs> offseason and um i Whatever the over-under is on the number of times I have to say the name Kyrie Irving this summer, take the over. Take the over. Yeah. Take the over. Take the over. That, big time. <laughs> that's going to continue to be I, to be a thing. I think um of those guys, here's I would rank, I'll rank them this order um mm-hmm. in scenario. Van Vliet in an opt-in in trade where he yes. opts in for next season and then the Lakers trade you're, for him. You're talking about likelihood of happening or preference? Yeah, yeah likelihood, likelihood of, of happening. Yes. Okay. Um, then Trey Young, just because it's a straight trade, um, the Lakers would probably be signing sign and trade some guys away to, to get him. Plus, Trey Young would be my top choice out of all these guys because he's really, really good and he's still young-ish, right? No pun intended. So, um, you know, there. And then Kyrie, just we explained it already why that's so hard. Yeah. Yep, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Lumby said Lakers trade uh, guaranteed contract. Oh, so you guarantee Bamba's contract and t- trade him with a 29 first to the Bulls for Alex Caruso. Move Austin to the one, Caruso to the two. I don't know. Do, do the Bulls move Caruso for 
a pick and an expiring contract. It becomes super interesting if the Bulls are like if they say all right, we're gonna let Vucevic go. If they basically say, Hey, we've gotta, you know, tear this thing down and start over around Zach Levine, um, mm-hmm. then that becomes kind of an interesting type of trade, you know, just because you're getting a pick. And that pick is far enough out that who knows what that right could be anything. Um, you know, in 2029. That's you know pretty far out here. So yeah, I don't hate that idea. I don't, you know, I don't know that on its face i would do that if i'm chicago if mm-hmm. i'm trying to be competitive next season i'm not doing that like i'd, yeah. I'd rather have alex crusoe and alex crusoe just made the all defense team like, he did he's really really good plus i don't i something i've been thinking about a lot is why are they not just they, and i even wrote this earlier this week of you know they got to figure out something at point guard why don't you just plug crusoe in at the point Rosen and Levine are going to run a lot of the offense anyway. Just yeah. let Russo start there. Like that's going to be a, a three and D style point guard. Like a, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say like I, I like Alex Caruso a lot, so I don't want this to sound negative, but kind of almost like a poor man's Drew Holiday. Where oh my where god, Gian- dude, what? I that's exactly what I was going to say. A poor man's <laughs> Drew Holiday. <laughs> we are on the that's same page, point. Keith. We are on wow. the same page here. I was like, if he says poor man's Drew Holiday, I'm going to lose it that is too funny oh gotta love the nba front office show right everybody we we are in sync on this um okay mission 86 said not about Kyrie. just curious okay this is interesting if a say a 30 million dollar player really wants to play for a team and accepts a minimum so somebody who's worth way more than a minimum says i'll come play for a minimum who gets final say can the agent or the nba veto that can teams veto that so uh, let's say player X, whoever is a, is an all-star potentially all NBA caliber player goes and signs with a team on a minimum deal just because he really wants to be with that club. Can anything be done to stop that? Or is that simply, well, he's taken that much less to play and that's the, that's his choice. So in theory, nobody could stop it, but every single transaction has to be approved by the league. Mm-hmm. And I think the league would have a huge problem here. I also don't know that an agent or the players association would be on board with this. We've seen guys take pay cuts, occasionally even major pay cuts. James Harden did it last summer. Yeah, he dark. took you know, a major pay cut to stay in Philadelphia and give them the ability to get PJ Tucker and Daniel house. So no one can veto it except for the league. And what you would run into there is that's where you run into, you know, you'd get collusion involved. You'd get, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the good of the game clauses involved and all sorts of things like that. So now personally, I would love to see it happen just because what, what would happen? You know, where would this go? And we'll just use Kyrie as the example. If Kyrie was like, I really want to be in the Lakers and I'll take, you know, I'll take the minimum or I'll take the, you know, know, non-taxpayer MLE or $5 million or whatever it is. Right. Like, I would be very curious to see how that plays out. I don't think that will happen because, um, you know, I just I, I struggle to see a player doing it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be really, really interesting. Well, one of the things that people don't consider a lot because we tend to look at things from the team perspective and, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be great to get this player on this number and, and all of that. And maybe even the player says, I've made hundreds of millions over the course of my career. All I could handle playing a year for for cheap. Problem is when the players' association comes in, 
because the Players Association and other players, not necessarily that player, but other players are going to look at that and say, no, 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 you can't do that. This is something LeBron has talked about for years about why he won't take a pay cut anymore because what happened was as soon as he did, then other teams around the NBA went to their players and said, see, LeBron's doing it, so how about we do this here? If you set that precedent, it's not just about you. It's about what that is going to mean for everybody else around the NBA. If it's if it's Kyrie says I'll go play for for two million bucks or something or three million, you know, whatever his minimum would be, um, you can bet teams are going to be floating that idea to other players, saying, "Well, Kyrie did it, and this would really give us a layup." And then putting yeah. other players in that position where they're being pressured to do something like that as well and that i think is something the players association and the vast majority of the players don't want to see no and it's only going to get worse as we get into these you know the super tax teams right because in this in this world where if this was a thing you could have the warriors go to draymond green and say hey can you take seven million dollars next year like like let's do that because now that basically clears our books up quite a bit mm-hmm. and we can go. And then when Clay comes off, you know, Hey Clay, what about $10 million? Um, somebody said, I lot Tim Duncan. Yeah. Tim Duncan took a lot less money. Tim Duncan also wasn't Tim Duncan at the end of his career either. Yeah. Right? We're talking about a player who is truly worth $30 million taking, you know, a minimum or, you know, down in that range. That's, you know, that, that becomes a, you know, you know, a, a thing, but yeah, I don't, don't think that's going to be a thing we're going to see guys do, you know, if a guy's worth $10 million and takes five, that's sure. We see stuff like that regularly. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, this player had the, um, you know, uh, who was it a couple of years ago? Otto Porter Jr. When he joined the Warriors, hmm. it offers for, you know, the taxpayer mid-level amount, which was like 7 million ish uh, that year, a little under that, like five and a half, six million. But but he took a minimum from the Warriors because in reality, once you hit a point on the minimum, yeah, you you hit the cap at like a $1.9 million cap in tax charge, but your actual salary is coming in closer to three. So you're really not giving up all that much money. And that's mm-hmm. that's part of where you know, I've seen some people say, you know, the Clippers probably have a leg up with Westbrook because most teams are going to be like, we don't really want to give you more than the taxpayer MLE, which is $5 million next year. His actual pay is going to be on about three million on a on a uh, league minimum. Why would he leave a good situation where he played a lot right. and is a big part of the team? So, but yeah, this is a, it's a good good question because it's you know it's in theory something that could happen, but yeah, I don't don't think it's going to go go down like this. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, Tavarius said Wemby uh, at the four, Collins at the five, Sohan at the three, Devin Vassell at the two, and. PG one. What do you think the Spurs would be able to get a first for him? I don't know who him for is. Who? Yeah. Tell us who him is and we can, can go. Yeah. From there. yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that, but I mean, is that, that could wind up being essentially what the Spurs are looking mm-hmm. at, looking like their yeah. lineup. Could be. Man, I love it. I'm beyond excited. If that's the way this, uh, you know, flows into next year. I don't think it's PG Paul George. I think it just means point guard. Yeah. Yes. But you would know, we'll be able to get a first for who. Okay. Let us know. Tavarius. Yeah. Well, we can figure that out and, and see what, uh, what he wants, what he's, uh, actually <laughs> looking at there. Saying, I'm him <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zuni said, can the Lakers go get, uh, Jordan Clarkson and Kuzma and bring them back? 
Uh, I like if the if you wanted to gut your roster in order to have enough free agent money, unless I don't like. Could you get Clarkson for a mid level? If you had the full mid level, probably not. I think that's yeah, a little light. You're definitely not getting Kuzma for that. So no, no, Kuzma is going to be a twenty to twenty five million guy, easy this yeah. summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, him equals Reeves, but that's not. Could you get a first for him? I don't. All right. Yeah, I'm not good. We'll we'll wait and see if he chimes back in. Uh, but you know what's interesting is he listed that lineup. There was no Keldon Johnson. Yeah, um, maybe <laughs> that's who it was. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, let's see. This one said, "Does LeBron need a third star because of age?" That's something that's been floating around. That LeBron wants to. And look, this has been a thing for years, though. That LeBron doesn't want the offense to run through him and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But that LeBron really seriously actually this time wants to take more of a backseat moving forward, understands that he needs to, and that maybe you need somebody else who can do some heavy lifting. Um, again, though, even if LeBron's saying, hey, I would like to take a backseat, okay, but then if it's not not even if it's Kyrie, but just a, a solid player that you go get that you burn all your resources to get, it's that player, Anthony Davis, LeBron trying to take a backseat, and veteran minimums. That... Mm-hmm probably isn't going to work out so well. Yeah, I, I just think depth is more important for this team mm-hmm. than adding a third star. I, I think they need to go into the regular season with 10 to 12 guys that they feel good about being able to play because most nights they're probably not going to have somebody, right? Well, one of their main guys is going to be missing time, right? I, I you know, loosely when I start building stuff out, uh, thinking about the off season, I loosely will um, pencil guys in for how many games, and like mm-hmm. I have LeBron and AD each sixty games. Like I'd be yeah. shocked if they play much more than that. Um, you know, I think there's a world where we don't see LeBron play next year until we get close to Christmas, maybe. You know, but and that's just I'm, that's complete reckless speculation because we have no idea with that one. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. You know, with with that. Um, Somebody asked. Yeah, there. Oh, no. Okay. We get that one. Okay. So Mr. Easley said, if you two are the Blazers GM, what do you do with Dame? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, I, I think it's I I think the I think the number three pick and the I think three and ten with the Blazers and the Mavs are the two most li- likely picks to get moved to where I am I 90% certain the Mavs are going to move their pick because how do you go to Luca and say, hey, here's this rookie we got with the 10th pick? Three. Do you see him running the stairs, by the way? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> There's three of them running a, a very steep and long uh, set of stairs. Uh, oh, looks good. All right. So, Luca yeah. getting ready, getting ready, going to uh, go a little Rocky Balboa style there, get ready for, uh, for next season. Um, but I think it's time to rip off the bandaid. If I'm, if I'm Portland and make that move and go ahead and trade them while you can, again, if they decide, no, we don't want to, we're going to try to try one more time. I understand it. I get it. He's the greatest blazer ever. You don't want it to move on. You don't want to do that. The possibility is there for him to retire as a blazer. 
I get all that. I'm just thinking for the long term for the club, does it make sense to continue just burning through assets in this attempt to win right now around Dame? I, I guess it depends on what's out there for the number three pick. Can you really get like a star level player for that third pick? If so, okay. You know, but if that's not there, like I'm not throwing that out there just to get a guy who can win now that maybe isn't necessarily the right long-term fit or anything. If I'm, if I'm the Blazers, you have to start thinking about the future at some point. Yeah. I don't really have anything. I'm in the same boat as you, but if, if I can get a young ish star for that third pick where that guy could be, cause nothing says we're not right back in the same spot next year and the year after and the year after. And that guy can be kind of, all right, I'm going to build around him moving forward. Then, then I probably, keep Dave, but other than that mm-hmm. i'm probably moving on all right uh gcb we'll do a few more of these said do you think the nba should guarantee every team a top five draft pick every six years to keep teams fresh with too much young talent so just rotate through the top five picks i mean that and was mike every- zarin's plan right yeah. with the wheel where the wheel you, you know the wheel goes around in a cycle and every year you know it's a 30-year cycle and every 30 years you end up with uh, one of each of the 30 picks and it was all mathematically arranged where like it'd be like one year you'd get one and then the next year you'd get like i don't remember it's like 26 you can google it and look it up if you just wanted to see the yeah. uh, um you know just look up like nba uh draft wheels aaron and it'll come up and it, the, the wheel will actually show what it looks like but yeah i i don't know i'm not that big on NBA draft reform i think it's kind of fine the way it works now yeah i don't know i mean it's fun to talk about and fun to look at but i mean like the optics would be really bad if the team that won the championship then had the first pick the next year because Mm -hmm. the wheel happened to land on them at that point like that yeah you know um and then there'd be so much luck involved like what year did you did you happen to have the third and i guess there's luck involved anyway but what year did you happen to get the number one pick was it a year when it was Kenyon martin or was it a year when it was LeBron, right? Like that, uh, that kind of stuff. I wrote a whole thing. I'll try to find it if I can. I don't remember. It might have been at Yahoo, but it might have been at NBC Sports. It was during the during the pause in 2020. I wrote a whole thing on the way I would have, like, remember we're all looking for anything to write about and cover. That's right. Yep. Um, so I wrote this whole long thing about how I would, um, you know, reform the draft and it was around every every five-year cycle teams get chances which is like basically ping pong balls and it'd be like every team gets you know 20 a season and then you can trade your chances in a given season to you know so if you wanted to trade you know i'm going to trade all 100 of my chances over the next you know five years Mm -hmm. for a player you know you could do that and then i had all this other restructuring of the league calendar and all this stuff but it's not i don't know not where i want to go Whoa, $2,500. We're rich. What? This is, I don't know what CRC money is. It's probably it's probably like the buck or something. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, this one said, I understand Lakers need to keep D'Lo for trade flexibility, but do they have to pay the amount he wants? Who are they even bidding against? Um, no, they don't have yep. to. And that's that's that was the point that we were making earlier that yep. I don't know how much of a market there's going to be for him. Now, there is a fine line between playing hardball and all that sort of stuff and upsetting the player enough to where they say, well, no, forget it. Then I'm bouncing. I'm going to take a one-year deal somewhere and I'll hit the market next summer. Uh, they don't have match rights on him. He's not a restricted free agent. He'll be a free agent. And so you, 
you don't necessarily want to just completely lowball him or anything. But to that point, yeah, you also you're not bidding against anybody. If if he says I want thirty million, you can say no because nobody else is giving him that most likely. Sure. So that you do have to kind of walk that fine line. But that's where GMs are supposed to make their make their money, right? Get the big bucks for doing that. Bruce Barnes did the uh, calculation. That's four dollars and sixty six cents U.S. dollars. There we go. Okay. There we go. It's a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, Anaket Mohan asked, uh, oh. um, difference between an early termination and player option. They're functionally the same thing. Um, in a player option, you, you opt in to the contract, meaning if you exercise the option, you are under contract for the next year. In an early termination option, if you exercise the option, you are not under contract. There, there's some other differences that are related to signing extensions and things like that that aren't really worth covering. But in, in most cases, it's a, uh, a they, they function as the exact same thing. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So that's, um, you know, something to... Uh... Yep. Something to keep in mind. All right. So this one said, uh, how would you feel if we took Koulibaly with the number 17 pick? Uh, oh, NBA draft.net actually has the Lakers mocked to take him. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't done much of a deep dive on him yet. I'm just getting into my NBA draft prep. So I don't really have an opinion on that in any kind of way. That would be an educated one. Um, I That's in the coming weeks as we get closer to the draft. I'm going to check off more and more players that I'm looking into. He's not a guy that I've got to yet. So unfortunately, I can't really give you much insight into whether or not I think he would be a good pick. Uh, Keith, I don't know if you have any thoughts. on. I know you are a little bit further in your draft draft prep than I am. Yeah, I mean, he's super duper young, really, really raw. He's only 18 and he only um, will turn 19 in, in the middle of July or I guess the end of July. Um, but, you know, profiles like he's probably going to be okay right now it's all athleticism for for, for this guy yeah. he's um six foot six might still grow a little bit he might have another inch or two in him um but he's got good length he's very very athletic um i think people would really like that um with him but when he's been at the highest level league he, it's kind of gone a little you know differently for him but he can play i mean he, he's I worry that his shot's not quite as good as it looks because he's a really not a very good free throw shooter. So that part is a little worrisome. Um, but you know, there. I mean, he's eighteen and super athletic, so mm -hmm. you generally don't go wrong get gambling on these. And Bilal Koulibaly is um, he's a, a kid out of France. Um, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know. All right, uh, Green Water Theory said AD to Indiana, Turner Duarte Nemhard to LA. Uh, I would not do that if I was the Lakers. Yeah, and I don't think the Pacers would have a ton of interest in that either. I just I don't think AD alone lifts them to where they want to go to, and they love Andrew Nemhard. Right? Yeah. So yeah, probably not. I yeah, uh, I think this would be an example. Uh, this would be turning a dollar into seventy five cents. Yeah, here's from, a good question from Brian Burley the uh, second. It's right above this one. Uh, Mo Bamba is not guaranteed, correct? Can the Lakers trade him for someone to cut him to save salary? They they can, but here's the challenge. He counts right now as zero in trade. So once the trade deadline passes, um, any player who's on a non or partially guaranteed contract only counts at the guaranteed amount. Mm 
of their contract for, for the next season. So whether that be at the draft or whether that be, um, you know, in, in the off season before his contract comes guaranteed, which won't go that way because his mm-hmm. date is before the off season starts. So really we're talking about the draft. Now what the Lakers could do is they could say, we're going to guarantee him, you know, 8 million of that, you know, amount and, and use that we need. in matching salary. They could do that, but, but yeah, right now he counts for zero. So that functionally takes away the ability to move him to, uh, to, to, to get somebody there. Right. Yeah. You can't just, it's not like you could trade him and then come July 1st, that team wipes that money off the books and, and that's it. You know, that, that doesn't work that way. Um, all right. We'll do. I want to do this one. Cause I, this? Oh, go, we'll do that one. And then I've got one I want to do too. Okay, cool. So this says Keith Smith, the cap space goat, is is Mo Bamba's contract team option or is it non guaranteed? If the Lakers waive him, does it impact their cap space? His contract is a bit confusing. Um, it, yeah, it's it, non guaranteed. Um, so in a team option case, what happens when it's a true team option is um, player can't be traded until that option is exercised. In this case, with Bamba, they could trade him at any point because he is under contract for next year. In a team option, you you would have to pick it up. And then in about you know, 75% of cases, then the contract becomes fully guaranteed at the option amount. So that's the the, the functional difference that you know, most people care about. So it is a non-guaranteed contract. Um, just because this guy's you know, put it in here a few times. The Lakers are not getting Fred Van V and Jakob Pertle. Like it's not no. happening. They don't. They don't have the ability to pull that off. Not with, guys. You know anything reasonable that they have um, under contract. The one I wanted to do. It's a few, couple up from that one, Trevor. By by uh, Nevin Verkopic. I'm guessing is how you maybe say that. Um, cap wise, in which order should a team start signing players, RFA, UFA, drafted veterans, etc.? So I assume this is an order of operations type, yeah. type question. So this is super duper important when you're a cap space team. So let's 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 just live in the world where the Lakers went the cap space route. If they were to go that way, Austin Reeves would either be their last or next to last signing that they would do because he would be sitting on the books under a teeny tiny cap hold of 2.2 million. So what you do is you'd leave that on the books, use up all your cap space. And then you would go go get somebody. You know, yep. Then you resign your guys. So for the cap space teams, generally you're going to sign UFA and RFA make no real difference in this case unless it's resigning your own guy. But you go you go use all your cap space via mm-hmm. trades or signing players. Then you resign your own guys unless you're resigning them to a smaller number than what their cap hold is. Yeah. Then what you can do is you can do it a couple different ways. You can either just do that and have them count. That's what the Pistons did a year ago with Marvin Bagley. Um, they re-signed him to a smaller number than his cap hold, and they just did it because why not? Um, or you can wait, renounce the guy and go. And then your draft picks, they all count at the same slot. And then guys on veteran minimum and the like, those guys get signed last. Same with anybody getting signed with the room exception because those are after you've used your cap space. Then you right. use those to kind of fill out the rest of your roster. And, and I think it's worth noting as well that – well, it's not necessarily something you have to do this way. Typically, what you'll see teams do is focus on on unrestricted free agents first and then turn to restricted guys. Now, obviously, yeah. again, that's not a rule. That's not what you have to do. Teams don't, mm-hmm. don't need to do that. But you generally see it play out that way because teams don't want to give an, you know, the 10 minutes into free agency, you submit an offer sheet to a restricted free agent and then your money is tied up. And meanwhile, unrestricted free agents are just flying off the yeah. off the shelves. And by the time you know what's going on with that restricted guy, 
the you know the tumbleweeds are blowing through the free agent market and and you're kind of left holding the bag. Now, right? The nice thing is in the new CBA, which starts in July, that's 24 a hours. So it's no longer what you, I mean, back when I first started, it was a week. Um, I think, you know, when before that, I think it was 10 days. Yeah. You had to match a restricted offer sheet. And then, you know, then they moved it down a week and then it went down, I think maybe to five days, then to the three days. And you used to have teams play games or they would hide from each other because you had to deliver it. It's almost right. like a court. You know, summons yeah, or whatever. It's a summons. I mean, yeah, it had to be handed in person to someone, and teams would like literally, oh, they're coming, and they'd run the other way at summer league, and you know, foolish nonsense. And now it's like, no, let's just get all gets delivered electronically, and you know, we have the record of when you got it. The one thing where the twenty four hour clock is, it depends on what time of day you get it. So yeah. like if it's before five, it kicks in. You've got twenty four hours. If it's not, it starts the next morning. Um, but that's just you know, I mean, that's matter of a couple hours there doesn't really matter now here's the other piece to this though and i know we're kind of into overtime here but um you can't actually like we will hear you know free agent x agrees to a a contract this many years this this much money with this team we'll be hearing that july 1st we may even hear a little bit before sometimes Uh, june 30th right we can yeah june 30th technically right but but anyway it's right right there um but they can't officially sign that contract until like the sixth. Yeah, um, and I don't know if it's if it's the you know the exact date. But so if you agreed with a with a restricted free agent on let's say July second, you agreed with a restricted free agent, they can't actually sign that deal until the sixth, which then gives you time for then the you, we could be talking July seventh until the team with match rights has actually made their decision there, which mm-hmm. means you're essentially if you're if you were to to, to verbally come to terms with the restricted free agent july 2nd and that you needed that cap space for somebody else you're essentially sitting out of free agency because by the time they've made that decision uh and matched or not most of the free most free agents are gone yeah yeah and that's exactly why nobody does that rushes into those now depends on who the restricted free agent is right if it's austin reeves if it's cam johnson who are two pretty good players that really fit a bunch of these teams i i think they could come off the board pretty pretty early and sure you know it could go from there hey so we're wrapping up here guys um we we both you know unfortunately gonna move on to do other things i have a mm-hmm. you know surprisingly when your team is uh coming back from down 3-0 in a series a lot of people want to talk to you about it um so we'll we'll kind of go from there and um but they want to mention this because it's been asked a lot a lot of places come in the comments on youtube uh people have asked on twitter as of right now, we are both planning to be in Las Vegas at the same time. Yes, which is sir. Very rare for us. I know it's been got pre-pandemic. I think that, yep. that we, you know, we. I remember we recorded for an office show in my hotel room. Uh, well, one. Night, That's right. Um, there. Uh, that was the whole earthquake uh, summer in Zion. Yeah. And <laughs> Zion summer. Why and everything. Um, we don't know yet about a live show, meaning where you guys can come out and all that stuff, but we'll figure all that out. We've got a couple months here, you know, month and a half-ish. To, Six weeks. You know, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of kind of get that sorted, but we'll we'll set up something where we can, uh, you know, get together and meet up and, you know, do, do stuff with, with all the uh, front runners here and, and everybody and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out figure it out but you know obviously if you just see us you know at summer league you know please come say, say hello you know love meeting people and you know get getting to meet everybody so yeah thanks for everybody reached out and guys thanks so much not only did you get us over 200 
reviews on iTunes. I checked right before the show. We're up to 209. Nice. So you guys came through with a bunch of written ones and super duper kind. And we'll 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 read those on another show um, to a couple people who put really kind things in there. So really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And let's keep the subscriptions flowing in here so we can get this, uh, you know, get, keep getting the channel up. We're closing in on 25K. Let's get there. Let's get there. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Fun Friday. A little extra bonus time here, but... Uh, thank you for coming in. We had a blast talking NBA basketball with all of you. Of course, we'll we'll do it again next week. But thank you guys again for, for joining us. Make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel if you're not already. And, of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya. And stay safe. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com